You're about to listen to Johnny and Hawk, covering all things Oklahoma sports, from the prep ranks to the college level, as well as the Thunder and minor league sports Tulsa. Now let's get to your hosts, Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk. Thanks for joining us for the second edition of the Johnny and the Hawk podcast. I'm joined by Johnny Resendez. Boy, last week was a lot of fun. We decided to take this second show on the road here at ORU Baseball. We're going to get to talk with Ryan Cash along with head coach Ryan Fulmer as the Golden Eagles get set to prepare for themselves for the Summit League Championship. But, Johnny, there's a lot to get to before we touch base with the Golden Eagles. Right, but before we get into any topics, can we appreciate how good this ballpark (laughs) looks like? I mean, I'm a fan of Navy Blue, but, man, this is beautiful good times we're here at the dugout we're reliving our uh, days as bench warmers dan <laughs> it's true so it's true. this is pretty good this is pretty nice but yeah let's get into the first topic and uh i wish we could kind of start in a more friendlier but i feel like this topic is kind of a bit of a somber tone is what happened with the ncaa women's golf tournament or the golf regionals in baton rouge not a good thing not a good thing at all they basically said that it was a playable golf course but it was not championship level playable. what does that even mean i don't even know because like if it's playable then why are we not playable no, I mean, uh, for the average golfer, let's say for us who got, who just likes to golf and have a good time, anything can be playable for right, us. Right. Now, we're talking about D1 athletes here, so it's a little bit different. They said that apparently it would have been a par 65 had they played with that course. There was a little bit of a, uh, like water in the uh, sand, uh, but... From what I saw, it didn't look all that bad. And from what others have seen, it didn't look all that bad. And then you saw how LSU, their men's team was in the practice range. It just had a lot of just shadiness to it. And you could really tell that it just brings more light into the disparity of women's and men's sports in the NCAA. Oh, for sure. I mean, I know this isn't the NCAA, but the high school ranks this last week, the 6As, they had to pull the plug, too, because of weather. Now, their field was, or excuse me, the course was completely a swamp. They never said that it was playable, not championship playable. But with the NCAAs, I mean, it's just a sham because they should have been able to play that. And then for the schools that did not get to play in, especially Tulsa, it's just extremely frustrating after winning the AAC and then getting set to go play in Baton Rouge. I'm not saying Tulsa was going to you know, carry the load and be the next phenom for the NCAA tournament, but not getting the chance to even play and then the manner that the way they said it, it's extremely right. frustrating. It brings me back to the NCAA tournament for basketball this past year. Right. And something that a lot of people, there's a new element to this that a lot of people I don't think really have completely understood this entire time is that we had COVID, right? Mm-hmm. So 2020, there was a lot of seasons that ended prematurely. No one's fault. No one was in control of COVID, obviously. But now we got to this. And a normal year where there was no pre-COVID that we were looking back into that, then, yeah, maybe this wouldn't be such of a headline. But we're talking about seniors. There's two seniors, actually, in TU golf, women's golf. I'm pretty sure they've gone through a lot just having to play these past two years and that could be said to all almost every other team who is going to participate in baton rouge that to me is the saddest part about it not just for the golf but also for uh every other sport that got canceled from the ncaa um every other winter sport Mm -hmm. that got prematurely ended in 2020 uh because of covid you had all of those senior seasons i mean you would play college uh, you were a college athlete dan to be juco ball but yeah same kind of concept right yeah. but like being able to know having that 
that self-awareness to know this is going to be the last time I get to play in this type of a level because I don't aspire to be a pro or I, right. I don't think I have the skill set to be a pro. This is your last shot. And to have it prematurely ended like that after already having to deal with so much adversity, it's always sad. I'm just going to flip it with this. If this would have happened on the men's side, do you think they would have figured out a way to play it? They always figure out a way always figure out because it, it just seems like though on the women's side they always come up short and i'm just gonna say it, they get screwed i don't i don't know how to say it. i mean if we go back to the ncaa tournament look at the gym and the weight room the men had and look at what the women had just a dumbbell in the corner yeah not the greatest gym to practice to get set to win a national championship yeah. it just seems like we are still very far apart from women's sports to men's sports right well listen i'm not a fan of cancel culture but i mean they did kind of decide to reamp it right in the middle of the tournament that weight room so maybe i'm not saying it works but, but it should I have mean... been fixed before they even stepped foot in indy right. to play the ncaa tournament right hey shout out to shout out and i can't believe i'm going to say this shout out to barstool sports because they volunteered to have the tournament at a different golf course in Arizona. They're going to pay for all of it. They just need to have the NCAA's Dude, like, blessing to have the tournament make it official for them, which, I mean, if this happens. I would love to see it happen, but do you really think it's going to happen? Because to me, if, if it does happen, it's truly egg on the face of the NCAA. It is. It is, absolutely. It's going to make them look so bad that another venue is allowed to play in that's yeah. not technically with the NCAA other than the approval. No less, I mean, no less Barstool. I mean, we uh, all, of all know places those, at Barstool. Oh, we all know the reputation of Barstool. And Very everything. much so. And the fact that they're doing this, this is just going to be the biggest, it's going to be the biggest slap on the face of the NCAA. And it's going to be the most glorious slap on the face if it really does happen. But things need to change. I mean, that's the harsh reality of this. You know, why couldn't they push it back another day? You tell me that those girls would not have taken two extra days in Baton Rouge to play the sport that, like you said, this is the last time they're probably going to tee it up as a collegiate athlete. Right, absolutely. And I don't think I, I think the the naysayers will say that like, oh, you know, golf, women's golf isn't the biggest revenue sharing sport or doesn't drive in a lot of uh, eyes. It's it's college athletics, okay? The, they're here for education. They're here for the experience. That's Let exactly them have right. the experience. Not it doesn't have to always do with the money. But anyways, we're gonna transition segue into our next topic this one's close to home for you it is this it is, is stomping grounds up at stillwater bryce thompson has officially committed to oklahoma that's State, right and i am I, I, I at first i was absolutely excited i was like we got another five sure. star mike boyton has been putting in that work getting sure. osu back into its glory days um but I, I, I decided to kind of have a little bit of a caution. It's a low-risk, high-reward thing for Oklahoma State, no question. Very much so. But we saw how Bryce Thompson was very injury-prone versus Kansas. And, With his uh, hand, especially right. in Stillwater. Especially his hand. I mean, we talk about a hand. It may not be as bad as, like, an Achilles injury by any stretch of the imagination. But those injuries are still kind of concerning. Mm -hmm. Now, what's uh, if we're going to – put all of our efforts in building around Bryce, that's going to be concerning. But knowing how we did in a few games last year without Cade Cunningham. And the NCAA looming over you because right. you didn't really get an answer until we got to the NCAA tournament. I believe we're still kind of waiting for an answer as to what the punishment that. is. We're still waiting for that. Hopefully we don't get, uh, we don't get banned uh, from <laughs> this tournament because, man, what a shame it would be. If we had we brought we bring back eight out of the ten starters, right? And then when you add in a, a focal point like Bryce Thompson, we I feel like we're bound to make at least another run for the tournament again. With that though, going off of Bryce, how do you feel about a guy that 
leaves Kansas, which is in the Big 12, to go to another Big 12 school. See, I don't think uh, you you think high on that. I'm not really sure that that's a, that much of a big deal. Is Obviously, it because of the fact Kansas. that he didn't play that much this first well, year? Well, I mean, like, yeah, but that, that wasn't really his fault. And then, plus, I mean, people would always argue he that, like, you know, he wasn't that good of a scorer, even though, he, like, right out of high school, he was a prolific 20 points uh, game sure. scorer. But with Kansas, I feel like the, that entire rotation was kind of stacked already, and he didn't have time to really develop. And then you had the nagging injuries and everything. Just probably wasn't the best environment for him. Being a former McDonald's All-American, yeah. do you think that this is – Kansas starting to go down the slope or do, or do you think that it's just hey we lost they lost out on one of their own I guess it's going in, in conference or do you still think Kansas is going to be the upper echelon of the Big no, 12? No I think as long as Bill Self is there I think Kansas is going to be they're not going to fall down like Indiana they're not going to sure. fall in Indiana or anything like that anytime <laughs> soon but I think um, you know it, it's kind of interesting knowing how like a, someone like as prolific as Bryce Thompson was right out of high school would uh, transfer after just his first year. True freshman, I give you that. But still, it's kind of interesting. But knowing how just the potential of what's going to happen, you got Avery Anderson coming back. You got I- Rondo Isaac Walker. Likely, Rondell Walker. Rondell's a big, big bench player for us. And then, I mean, you got a good backcourt. But I just got to tell you, Dan. I'm all. I'm just thinking what could have been <laughs> if we know. actually got Bryce Thompson the year before, Four. and he just decided to commit right out of high school to Oklahoma State. Cade and Bryce would have been something special. When he decided, because I was there for his announcement, it, it pretty much sounded like it was OSU all the way. However, TU looked like they could have had a shot with him. I think OU is kind of the outsider looking in. I think with the new staff where he already knew Boynton, that goes back to his high school days. I do think that for for his best fit, OSU probably was the best opportunity for him to get noticed a little bit more than TU. But I think if he would have went to TU, he still could have had the same type of numbers that he's going to put up in Stillwater. Oh, yeah, and what a grab would that have been if if the TU got Bryce Thompson. I mean, that would have been a, probably a program-changing. For sure, transfer. with his dad playing there yeah. when Bill Self was there. You yeah, know. that would have been amazing. But, I, I'm you know, as an OSU fan, I'm always going to be excited whenever you got a big-time player like Bryce Thompson coming back to Gallagher-Iba. Uh, and actually putting on the orange and black. But what does it mean for you knowing that most likely this coming season, Gallagher-Iba is going to be packed to the rafters with fans? It's bittersweet, actually. <laughs> I, I, w- I would think that like it's going to be all, all exciting and everything. It's bittersweet just knowing, like I keep saying, what could have been if Cade was still here. I, everyone knew he was going to be a one and done. Of course. Anyway, but he deserved a big crowd. Not saying that Bryce Thompson or any of these boys deserve like don't deserve a big sure, crowd. Sure. But I'm just it, it would have been something special for just a season. Even if we if the result would have been the same. We would have gone knocked out in the second round by Oregon State. Even if that would stay the same. That season, that regular season where we would just go to home games, I'm positive that almost every single game in Gallagher but would have been packed to the bone. And it would have been so amazing. It would have been so awesome. How much does this change the Big 12 landscape? Like, where do you put – I mean, I know we're way, way early. I mean, we're only in May. But where would you put right now, unless any other changes happen in the Big 12, where do you put the Cowboys? Well, like you said, it's a little bit too early. I think, like – I mean, every single season, Kansas is going to be projected to be at the very sure. top of that list. Um, but then you got West Virginia, you got OSU, obviously. I'm interested to see how OU bounces back. Um, obviously, you know, they made the tournament, so bouncing back is kind of a bad term to put it. But when you get rid of Long Kruger, a longtime coach, 
that could kind of change some things. But seeing how that program is progressing, I mean, the OU is looking a little bit scary in terms of basketball. And I think uh, with their new head coach, uh, Loyal Chicago's old coach. Do you think Sister Jean will make a trip down to Norman? You know? I hope. I mean, if Sister Jean <laughs> makes it to Norman, I think that's going to be more less of a blessing and more of a curse. I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Did you, you know, this past weekend, did you check in, check any scores out for state baseball? I know we're transitioning a little bit, but did you check any of those out? Did you see what Jinx did for the yeah, first, Jinx, time, first in time in 19 years? Yeah, Jinx, first time in state championship Over Mustang. Mustang. Mustang is like, they Mustang, two-time state champs. I don't know if you've been to Mustang, Oklahoma, and seen the facilities. I have. Phenomenal. It is. I mean, you, you're talking about statewide excellence right there, like uh, cream of the crop in the state of Oklahoma. It's all the facilities that Mustang has. And uh, just it kind of felt like one of those. I know it's high school baseball, but it also kind of felt like those big-time 6A heavyweight oh, for sure. fights that you see. I mean, it was awesome uh, that you know, it was the Tulsa area. They got the win. Well, and for me, I was down there, and the, the one thing that I took away was two seniors went back-to-back for home runs. Now, I didn't win the game necessarily, but they did get the go-ahead run in the, uh, in the extra innings, and then they were able to stop Mustang from getting in, in another run across. Jinx wins your state title for the 6A. And then follow that up with Bishop Kelly taking on Carl Albert. Not a good day for Bishop Kelly. I mean, they were facing a team – just talking to one of the parents that the, mostly the entire starting roster for Carl Albert was junior college guys playing for either Seminole State or Cowley Junior College. I mean, they were loaded. I'm not saying that BK didn't deserve to be there, but Carl Albert went in the trifecta this year for high school athletics. State title for football, state title for basketball, state title for baseball. That's a big deal. That, that, that That's huge. all that often, whether it's Oklahoma or any other state really in high school sports. That doesn't really happen all that often. And, and did you know they've done this twice? Carl Albert did this in 2007 as well. Oh, well, that was pretty recent. Wow. But still very, very impressive. Right. Yeah, I mean, shout out also to the ones like Heritage Hall won 4A. I mean, shout out. I mean, baseball, high school baseball is one of those things where High school sports in general, too, where like you kind of still get that purity of sports, where it's not about the money, it's not about the revenue, right. it's just really about the game, and you get those these type of storylines the first time in 19 years with Jinx and everything, the trifecta with Carl Albert. You don't really, it's not all that common when it no. comes to college, especially professional sports. So it's always fun to see these type of records being broken in the high school level, and no less happening here in Tulsa too. And who knows, maybe they'll be practicing, getting ready to play a game for Oral Roberts right behind us. I mean, what better place to play some baseball? I mean, you got to see this firsthand. I know you're an oh, yeah. OSU grad, oh, but look at this facility that they you, have I'm at JL Johnson you, Stadium. I'm a fan of Navy Blue, and this is as good as it gets for me. May not like how the humidity is kind of killing yeah, it's us hit right us. now. It just, but hey, it just pounded right on us right yeah. now. Might, might be just because it's our second show of the Johnny and the Hawk show, yeah. but who knows. But, hey, we're going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we're going to talk to one of the best baseball players that's come out of the Golden Eagle program, and that is Ryan Cash. So stay with us. We'll have much more on the Golden Eagle baseball program on the Johnny and the Hawk Show. Coming up in just a moment, Johnny and Dan will have more with this week's special guest. Remember, you can follow Johnny and Dan on Twitter. Now, back to Johnny and the Hawk podcast. All right, we're joined by Ryan Cash over here from Oral Roberts Baseball. What are you guys doing that's on the bus that's pretty fun? Johnny, It's I hear it's pirate-like yeah, on the bus. Yeah, it's something a little bit unique that I've seen. What, explain it to me, man. Yeah, so we're, uh, I think in college baseball, every team kind of finds their identity, and, and ours came on a, on a bus trip to North Dakota State. <laughs> Had like 
9, 10 30 at night. Yeah, it's pitch black and uh, notary. Just kind of came up with like a sea shanty type deal. And, and from there, the Wellerman took off. And now it's just a post wind song that we do. So we have a lot of fun with it. Can yeah. you give us a little bars from it? Uh, our, our, so B Shannon, Blake Shannon does the, uh, the captain part. And then we come in and it's soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. <laughs> One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I know. we put you on the spot right there. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming with the whole team going at it, it's probably a whole oh, lot more fun. It's a great vibe in the locker room and on the bus post win. It's awesome. Speaking of wins, you know, when we were putting this show together today, you guys won the Summit League in a rain. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. I mean, that's pretty much sums up the COVID era of baseball right now. Exactly. Obviously, you want to – you want to clinch it with a win, but you know, with, with how it's gone this year, series being canceled to COVID and, and rain outs, you just kind of take, take what comes your way. And I think this team's done a great job of doing that. And, and we handled our business early on in the, in the series and, and good things come from that. Now, a lot of, a lot of this season has kind of been up and down for you guys, just in terms of just playing. I mean, the first few games were canceled, then you got the rain outs, and then there was COVID and everything. I mean, just from a player's perspective, how hard was it to manage all of that? Yeah, I think uh, the beginning of the season was a perfect example. We go snow covering the field and we shovel snow for three days straight for six hours and then play seven games in six days, something like that. And obviously it didn't go our way that first week, but I think this team did a great job of, of kind of weathering the storm, kind of the, the pirate theme, but weathering the storm. And I think it's something to be said that, you know, we battled and you don't get back to 500 till we're 30 something games in, but that was just a, a testament to the guys. and and believing in each other. You guys even had a big win against LSU down on the bayou. I mean, to me, that kind of set the tone for the year. I know you guys struggled kind of at the beginning, but I mean, per- perfect example, the pirate team here, because you guys have weathered the storm all season mm-hmm. long. You know, how confident are you heading into this Summit League championship? I think we're extremely confident right now. Uh, I think we have been all year, um, but the, some things just didn't click at the right time, and that's baseball. I think if you look back to, to last year's team, we lost a lot of one-run games, and the difference in this year's team is we're winning those games. I think you look at the last game at Omaha, we get down by one run in the in the ninth inning and come back and score six, and that's just a testament to, to never being out of it with this team, and I think we're coming together really nicely right now. Growing up in Dallas, he's a Dallas kid. I mean, baseball in the Texas area is – probably the best spot besides maybe Florida or California. I mean, I grew up in Idaho. It's it's not the same. We <laughs> do weather. we do have the NAIA World Series, but it's not quite the same. But your dad played, you know, Johnny was telling me about that. You know, how much influence has your dad been on your baseball career? Oh, he's been huge. I'd say he's he's been the biggest influence for sure, you know, teaching me to switch hit from a young age. And and that's been, you know, one of the, the biggest things in my career is being able to hit from both sides and teaching me the mental part of the game. And, um and yeah, I can't think of enough for, for how much he's poured into me. And he still still does it to this day, travels to every away series, and he's up there and just a great relationship we have. Wow. He did. He did. Well, he was with the San Francisco Giants for about two years. Has he kind of like helped you navigate your baseball career in terms of recruiting and maybe even in terms of like what's next for you after ORU? Yeah, absolutely. He uh, He's definitely been through it and uh, he knows how to work hard and, and grind for what he wants. And so he's been in my corner the whole way through, and um, I think he's just been, you know, just a great influence on how to uh, how to approach a career for sure. You got to play in that Drillers organization last year. I know it's the college S Drillers, but 
I know you played other summer leagues, but did that kind of give you the perspective of where you want to go with your baseball career? Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, how we scheduled the, the days throughout the day, going for team meals early and then back to the park for, you know, seven o'clock games every night. I think um, that was an incredible experience with a, a great group of guys, you know, getting to play with some old teammates and meeting some new new guys that I still talk to to this day. Um, but that was definitely like a minor league lifestyle and, you know, couldn't have, couldn't have had more fun that summer. What's your, when this season ends, where are you going to be training up here in Tulsa or are you going to be uh, back down in Texas, do you think? Um, I'll be up here. My family actually all moved up here. Oh, okay. And so my parents are out in the Owasso area, and then both of my sisters um, are in the Jinx area. And so I think um, I'll be around Tulsa and being able to train up here with, with the guys that I know is going to be great. We're going to be talking to head coach Ryan Fulmer next. You got any impressions of him or do you have, you know, some stories about coach Fulmer because you've been with him through the whole time? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Fulm is just the ultimate players coach. Um, just the even keel guy that, that allows his guys to play their style of baseball. And I think that's what, you know, I personally love about him and what our team loves about him. And I think that's why he gets the most out of his players. Now, Coach Fulmer is known uh, ever since he got to ORU. He's been going up against the top dogs in baseball, and he's shown no fear in any of them. You played for OSU actually for two years. I mean, I, I can't really speak to the differences uh, on like the cultures on baseball, but I'm, I could definitely say that the campus culture, two very different uh, campuses. Can you kind of go elaborate on like the differences on just how it was with, uh, on OSU and ORU? Yeah, I think anytime you go to a big state college, you're going to have, you know, everything you could want around you in terms of facilities and um, different things. But along with that goes distractions for sure. And you see a lot of good, talented players come through schools like that um, and are distracted by the wrong things and never make it out. Um, with a school like ORU, obviously, um, you have most of your guys that live on campus. Um, distractions are down even though we're still in a big city in Tulsa mm -hmm. but you find a lot of guys that the reason they're here is to play the game of baseball and I think that's what I like most about this school is everybody's focused on the same goal whereas not at every big school but at, at some places like that you have your guys that once they're not playing in the lineup they can kind of fall off the edge and that becomes a different different little corner of the locker room for sure. Do you get do you and coach Fulmer share a little bit of a bond I mean you, you you both were at OSU, obviously different time periods, but do you guys ever talk about that with one another? Uh, we talked about it a little when I got here, um, and now we're just kind of focused on on the task at hand, but definitely uh, we do share a bond, and obviously we uh, we know some of the coaches, and uh, he was, uh, you know, teammates or whatever with some of the coaches now, but um, definitely, uh, definitely a cool thing to have in common with him. Well, Ryan, we take thank you for spending some time with us. Go win out and win a Summit League championship. That's what you need to finish up for your final time with ORU. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Now, coming up in just a moment, we're going to be interviewing head coach Ryan Fomer. We'll probably talk about Mr. Cash as well and what he means to this ORU baseball program. Stay with us on the other side. Remember, you can follow Johnny and Dan on Twitter. Now, back to Johnny and the Hawk podcast. Welcome back to the Johnny the Hawk podcast. It's Johnny Resendez and Dan Hawk here, and I am super excited for this next guest right here. He is the man in charge, the head honcho right here at Oral Roberts, Ryan Fulmer. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. You know, this is uh, 
fun time of year for us as we start heading down the stretch here, getting ready for some postseason baseball. So it's uh, a fun time of year. Yeah. Now the game got rained out this pa- this past weekend. Uh, were you kind of like bummed out how like you guys did win the Summit League, but it was kind of an anticlimactic way to <laughs> win the regular season crown. Bit. I mean, what do you think about that? I think first and foremost, you always want to play. You know, you hate uh, missing games, especially after a year we had a year ago where you missed a bunch of those games. So, you know, we you always want to play, and I think we've lost six or seven games already this year too. So, uh, not not the way you want it to go down the end of series, but uh, at the same time, man, proud of proud of our guys and the way they've uh, they've just taken off the second half of the year. Right, and you talk about how like they've taken off the second half. I want to talk about a little about the first half. I mean, you guys went through a lot of hurdles, whether it was just canceled games. You still had COVID lingering where we didn't know what was going on. And then also, like, you guys kind of were on a little bit of a losing streak in the beginning of the season. What changed? What were the adjustments you guys made as a team to kind of get where you guys are now, where you guys are just winning and winning and winning? Well, I, you know, I think there was a lot of factors that go into that. Um, but, but, to, but to speak to our team, man, they just kind of stayed the course. And, uh, you know, we talk about getting better each and every day and um, in each and every game and each and every series. So uh, I think our guys understood that part of it. You look back at the beginning of the year and we opened up and that first weekend, if you guys remember back to that, mm-hmm. we had snow. We had eight inches of snow on this field. You guys may not know this story. We had eight inches of snow on the field. Um, we were supposed to go to uh, to San Antonio to play Incarnate Word and open up an, a, a three-game series down there. Well, that's when Texas had the big ice storm that rolled through there, so their stadium was not playable. So we made the decision all of a sudden. I don't know if it was a great decision now looking back on it, but we decided to try to play here. So we spent roughly 20 hours shoveling every inch of snow off this field and hauling it out of here so that we could try to play. And we ended up um, scheduling, I think it was eight games in seven days to open up the season. So probably not a great decision on my part to do that. But at that time, man, everybody was so anxious to get out and play uh, and have an opportunity to play again. So some of that was my doing, you know, the, the, the way the schedule set up and some of the positions I put our team in early were probably not favorable for us. Uh, but the one thing we've done is we've continued to get better and better and better. Guys have stayed the course. Um, and I think you look across the country right now, baseball guys are just now starting to get in some kind of rhythm with the way they're playing. You look back on last year and we get canceled on March 15th or whatever that date was. Um, that's a long time ago. So guys didn't get to play last spring. Most of them didn't play last summer. We had some inter-squad games this fall. so. You know, early on this year was the first time a lot of these guys have played in a year. So that's a long time for a baseball guy to be off. I think all those things happen, and we played an extremely tough schedule too. You know, it was a really, really good schedule. We bunched a bunch of games up, uh, coming off a long layoff. I think all those things kind of, you know, factored into that slow start. Uh, But, again, so proud of the way that our guys have responded and stayed the course and, um, and they're feeling good about what's going on right now. The bond that your team has, I mean, Cash was telling me about pirate shanty songs that we're oh, singing on the bus. Yeah. What, what does that mean to you? I mean, I'm not asking you to sing. He did a little bit for me, but just the <laughs> bond that this team shares, going back shoveling snow to, you know, trips to LSU. I mean, it's got to help this team in the long run. You know, uh, one of the things that, that, that 
that people don't really realize is when you when you get your season canceled and then the fall looks completely different than it normally would, what you lose is is building some of that chemistry that you're talking about. You know, with social distancing and not being able to use your locker room and, you know, having to work in small groups rather than in team settings, uh, no team meetings, uh, all the stuff that we would do to uh, facilitate some of that team bonding, we just couldn't do, you know, with, with uh, the way the COVID protocols were set up. So you missed all of that all spring and, and all fall. Now getting to go travel, getting to shovel some snow and just getting guys together um, was a big deal too. And I think now you're seeing some of the benefit of that is is having those certain moments that guys can kind of gravitate to. And, you know, they talk about the song that they sing. I don't even know what the song <laughs> is, to be honest with you. But you know what? It's something that, that galvanized those guys and they, and they have that in common. So um, this is an older group. You guys had a chance to talk to Ryan, and uh, Ryan's a great leader as well. We have some older guys that are good leaders that have really taken it upon themselves to galvanize this team as the season's gone along. You're definitely the perfect player coach. I mean, you played at OSU, and then you came down here, and obviously you've had success with Oral Roberts. How much does that add to your coaching, knowing that you were a player and you were in the trenches and everything? Oh, you know, some, maybe. Um, I, I, I'm a guy that thinks you don't necessarily have to have been a player um, to be a good coach. I don't think that's necessarily how it works. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I know a lot of the, uh, the knowledge that I've had a chance to gain in is a long line of coaches, all the way back to, to, to my college days and Coach Ward and, uh, and Tom Holliday and John Farrell and Robbie Wine and all those guys that I had a chance to work with there. And then coming to ORU and having a chance to spend time with Rob Walton and work on his staff. And, you know, Ryan Neal's been here as long as I've been here as well. So uh, I've been fortunate to have been around a lot of really good coaches and learned from some really good coaches and had some great playing experiences as well. So I think all those experiences kind of add into that. Um, I think it's uh, easier sometimes for guys to understand where student athletes mm-hmm. are at and how that feels if you've been there. But, you know, I, I don't know that, that, that being a great player or even a player necessarily factors into how good a coach you are. Do you cheer on OSU or, like, hope for the best for them, you know, down, you know, from afar, I guess. I mean, yeah, sure. they, they have the new stadium, obviously, and, sure. you know, you were in the old place several games, but, yeah. you know, I think as, as, as much as anything, you root for people. Okay. You know, Josh and I were college teammates. Uh, you know, Rob, Rob was the head coach here, and I worked for Rob for nine years. So I think as much as anything, you root for people. And, and uh, we have a deep relationship with all those guys. So absolutely, we want to see the best for those guys. Talk to me about the, the mental toughness of your team. I mean, obviously, you guys have gone through a lot. But you, this schedule that you guys do is tough. You guys had LSU. You guys had o, o, OSU. You mentioned how you don't really root you don't really root against them. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, you're kind of like the underdog every single time you face one of those big D1 sure. schools. What's it, like, what's it like whenever you go into the dugout and tell the guys, hey, this is a quote-unquote power five school? What's that uh, – uh, I guess, what's that message you give to your team whenever you're facing one of those big schools? I promise you the message, whoever we're playing doesn't doesn't change. You know, okay. regardless of who we're playing, 
Um, we feel like we have enough talent. We have enough good players that if we play well on a given day, regardless of who we're playing, we're going to have an opportunity to win. So that message has been consistent for a long, long time here. So the message never changed. Do you know who's in the other dugout? You absolutely do. Um, but we talk about it a lot. You know, you're not necessarily playing against the guy in the other dugout. You know, you're playing against yourself. You're trying to be as good as you can possibly be. And you're playing against the game. You're not necessarily playing, you know, another team or another uniform. So, you know, our focus stays solely on us and, and the things that we can control each and every day. And uh, regardless of who that is, as you said, our, our schedule early was tough. Um, and we went out and won a bunch of those too. So, um, you know, we feel like uh, as we get better, Right, as we play well, no matter who we're playing, if we play well, we're going to have an opportunity to win. Right, and how important is it for you as a coach to kind of give your players that type of experience, putting in those hard games? I imagine those are big time experiences, and like it's just learning experiences, win or lose for your players. Well, I think you know, you know, our our big thing in the recruiting process, or whatever you want to call it, is you know we want to make sure that each and every guy that comes through our program has a good experience. And part of that good experience is making sure you're playing a good schedule. So you look every year, and we're going we're gonna to play a good schedule for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is to make sure that guys that come in here have a good experience. So when you look at our schedule and you look at who we're playing, a lot of times from a selfish standpoint, you know, we went to LSU this year. You mentioned that before. I never played at LSU, and we had an opportunity to play. So I said, let's, let's go play there. Wow. Next, next year we're going to Ole Miss. I've not been to Ole Miss before, I think. Um, you know, that's going to be a good trip as well. So uh, I, th I think part of that is knowing the experience that, that I had as a player and now as a coach, that there's a lot of places that we go that if you weren't playing, then you would probably never be there. So I think that's a unique experience for college athletes to, uh, to get to experience different cultures and different places. Um, and that's part of the reason we go there, too. And I'm just saying, you've gotten the numbers of a lot of those teams that you've played against. So what's the key right now going into the postseason on how being able to be as successful as possible with every single game, really every single pitch? Yeah, I think, you you know, you hit it on the head. You try to play every pitch. You know, you don't look ahead. Um, you can't worry about who you're playing. You can't worry about what's coming next. You have to play every pitch. And I think when teams... Uh, start to do that. That's when you see teams start making these, these these kind of runs. You know, when you start looking ahead, who you're playing, who's pitching, what the matchup is, I mean, that's, uh, that's not important to what's going on right now. You know, so our focus today goes into having a good workout here. Our focus tomorrow will be another good workout leading into a, a, another big conference weekend for us. Um, we know we have the lead wrapped up. These guys know it too. There's no, there's no secret to that, but we understand that going into that tournament, we want to be playing our best baseball this time of year. And in order to do that, today becomes very important. Tomorrow becomes very important. Each and every time we get a chance to come out here and work, it becomes important. And that's where your focus goes. So instead of what's happening next, who we're playing next, what the score might be, who's pitching, you know, we, we try to take care of this moment now until we get another one. This location is a special one for you, too, with Omaha. I sure. mean, you, you were part of the Rosenblatt days. And yeah. I know most of these guys have heard of that, but they didn't get to see it. You yeah. got to experience it. And you know, I've been told you, you got to recently visit the old uh, confines of what's cool, left right? of the confines. Yeah. So what, what was your thought on it? Uh, you know, I, I miss, I haven't been to the new one. Okay. And, uh, but the old one was so uh, nostalgic. It was so historical. It was so. I don't know, instrumental in uh, uh, 
the building of college baseball to where he, where it is today. So bringing back some of those things was uh, was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to go back there and look at that. But yeah, it's been fun, man. Uh, the the old place is so different than where the new place is too. I don't know if you guys have been there, by but the zoo. yeah, it's over by the zoo. It's like a little neighborhood area, and when you pulled up, man, there's people tailgating in the front yards, and it's it's just so different than what it is now. But it's it's cool to look back and think about all the history that went in there for sure. What would it mean for you guys if you get off on the right foot in the summer league and you get to experience it with ORU if you could get that chance to play? Well, we'll have to sit down and do this again, and we'll talk about it that time. So. Uh, you know, it would be special for sure. You know, it hasn't been done here in a long time, and that's, you know, that's the goal each and every year. So hopefully one of, one of these days we can jump over that hurdle. Now, Coach, I'd be remiss to not bring this up, but you guys are going to the, you guys are going to the postseason. You guys are on a run. Okay. This is eerily similar to ORU basketball. Did they kind of inspire you when they went in the run of the Sweet 16 to kind of do the same thing here? Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever you see teams make those kind of special runs, and makes it seem possible for everybody to do those those things. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can carry off some of the momentum that that those guys have created because that was that was an exciting time for ORU athletics watching those guys making a deep run and uh, proud to be part of that kind of department that you know that kind of support you saw come out and, and you know get involved with those student athletes. So absolutely, that's a big deal uh, as we move forward. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk yeah. to us today. Best of luck in Omaha. Carry that banner tightly right. with the Summit League Championship. Because I know the target's on your guys' back. Well, you so. guys just said a minute ago, if we get to Omaha, we're coming back here again, right? That's right. That's the plan. Okay, we'll do, we'll do this again in a few I'm weeks. In. I'm so, in. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Johnny and the Hawk Podcast. Until next time, stay with us. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can follow Johnny Resendez as well as Dan Hawk on Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening to Johnny and the Hawk. Also, for all the latest Oklahoma sports, check on newson6.com.